Well, no Steely this week. The man is on vacation. Spring break, as it were. Spring break at age 60 for Steely. Parker Thune here with you in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios on the Ref Sports Radio Network with Steely and Thune at noon. Joined from his Tulsa pad by one Travis Davidson, grill boy himself. Travis, at risk of bearing the lead here, feels like we caught the brunt of the storms down here in the Norman area last night, but everything good up in T-Town? Well, uh, yeah, what's interesting is I actually spent, uh, I had quite the weekend. It was my birthday weekend. I was in Little Rock uh, and then flew to Houston. So yesterday I found myself uh, uh, about to fly back from Houston and on an evening flight back to Tulsa. Well, that gets canceled. So rented a car and drove it back from Houston, uh, stayed in Durant last night, and then uh you know, this morning, shot back up to Tulsa, and uh, yeah, so I just dealt with a little bit of wind on the road during the drive, but dodged most of the storms. Yeah, it turns out the tornado last night that came through Norman, and obviously there was plenty of uh, footage and photos that circulated on social media about the damage and the aftermath of that tornado. It passed about a half a mile from my house, Travis, so I was one of the lucky ones. Uh I believe it was Marcus Stripling that put out there on Twitter that Corey Roberson, Oklahoma defensive lineman, his house was one that sustained severe damage. So our thoughts and our prayers are with all those who were affected last night by the storms that rolled through the Norman OKC area. But with that said, for the next two hours here on Steely and Thune at noon, we're talking Sooner sports. We're talking recruiting. We'll be all over the board for the next two hours. If you want to chime in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, you're welcome to do so at 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. This hour of the program brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system, Call Lasher, family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007, 405-579-3113 for all your heating and air needs. And Travis, I feel like there are a lot of places we could start on this Monday afternoon. It feels like, however, the logical place to start is with the OU softball program because after their loss to Baylor last weekend – They dropped from the number one ranking in college softball for the first time in two years, lost their footing on the pedestal. All they do is turn around and wallop the new number one team in the country, the UCLA Bruins, 14 to nothing this past weekend. Yeah, it almost felt measured, actually, right? Because how convenient. What better, Parker, to have uh, coming up after a a, uh, tough loss, tough close loss, uh, that really nobody saw coming, right? I mean, any loss this season or the last few seasons, for that matter, to you know, for Oklahoma is unexpected. So, uh, you know, it was almost uh, the perfect Hollywood script. Uh, you know, no, no UCLA, LA uh, puns in there. But yeah, I mean, you get the number one team in the country, and you get the opportunity on not exactly a big national television stage, but a big stage nonetheless. Uh, to go and uh, really put it to them, and it was they were dominant in every in every fashion. I mean, it was incredible. Alex Taraco putting up you know 
what she did in five innings. I think two hits, zero runs, I believe. I think she had, I think five strikeouts. Maybe I'd have to look at the line again, but it was, it was a dominant performance. And, uh, I think that needs to be talked about just as much as the offense because I think I think we sometimes, Parker, I think we get caught up in the bats, which is natural, right? That's the excitement, right? Uh, but, I mean, shutting out that UCLA lineup is wildly impressive. Well, and let's hearken back to what Patty Gasso said prior to this weekend's action out at the Mary Nutter Classic. This is your ortho-central clip of the day, and if you listen to what Patty had to say this past week prior to the Sooners' trip out there, it's pretty clear that what we saw over the weekend in that game against UCLA was the manifestation of everything Patty Gasso has instilled in her team. Before we even start the season, I, I preface it by saying we're going to lose games. So just it's a learning experience. And it's, it's amazing when we lose, everything starts to open up and all the things that we just get away with. Um, are now brought to everybody's attention. So they do it themselves. They talk about how to get better and how we need to change and so forth. So um, some good things came from it. I'm anxious. I think a different kind of energy. And um, there's just that lingering pressure, I think, that is on. There's um, sometimes the overwhelming amount of people that want autographs and are there. And, you know, it's just it's it gets smothering that's no excuse but it's just it's constantly on your guard and that's something that we just have to get used to but our practices have been good our adjustments have been good the energy has been very good again that is your ortho central clip of the day that was patty gasso last week following the sooners first loss of the season to the baylor bears in upset fashion then they turn around lose their number one ranking to ucla head out to the Mary Nutter Classic, and put it on the Bruins, Travis. And that's the type of victory that is very much a statement for this program because not only did you get a shutout performance from Alex Storacco, not only did you get an explosive performance from the offense, the bats, either of which are going to be more than enough on any given afternoon to lift the Sooners to victory, but it was almost the perfect storm, those two things coming together simultaneously and signaling to the rest of the college softball landscape, hey, Oklahoma's still here. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny because when they when they lost to Baylor, they only dropped to two, right? And there, there are a lot of teams that have started off really hot, um, it would have been easy for maybe them to drop a little bit farther just to, you know, get a little bit of parity. Maybe there's some Oklahoma fatigue in the sport. Uh, I think we dealt with that in, in some of the softball media in the off season. But only dropping to two kind of let everybody know, like, all right, everybody, we we really do know who the best team in softball is. And they go out and they prove it. And, yeah, if they get that offense with that pitching, nobody's no, not only is nobody not beating them, nobody's coming close to them. Nobody is in the same stratosphere as this team if they are hitting on all cylinders. And going to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439 from the 918. Yeah, you get a little tongue-in-cheek. Have we hit 50 bajillion home runs yet? Of course, that is a um, you know a nod to Jen Schro on Twitter, a UCLA alum uh, who is in the softball media that – infamously or famously, depending on your perspective, uh, got on a podcast and said, Oklahoma's not going to be the dominant team that we're used to. Well, 
uh, her mentions were on fire <laughs> uh, after that came game to a close. Well, and the way she phrased it, too. And I don't remember exactly what all she said, but there was a lot of hedging that happened in that quote. Wasn't oh, yeah. there, Travis? She said, they may, they may still win the national championship, but they won't be as dominant as they have been in years past. Is that really the case if you win a national championship, Travis? Is anybody going to remember what your record was that year versus what? the previous two seasons? No, what they're going to remember is that you won your third consecutive national championship. Well, and honestly... What they're going to remember is that we beat UCLA fourteen nothing. You know when it when it came in the early season. Like if you were to ask, like, hey, what's the big what's the big regular season game in that national championship run you guys went on? And I don't want to crown ourselves yet, but it's just it was an impressive performance. They're going to bring up that UCLA game because that's what what do you look like against your best? You know, and and I think you know to your point, she was hedging a lot. She's like, nobody loves the Sooners more than me. Oh, you won't find a bigger Terry Jennings fan. Oh, you won't find a Kenzie Hansen fan, bigger Kenzie Hansen fan than I. You won't find a blah 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 this this and this. But I think they're going to step back. I don't think they're going to be the big bad Oklahoma. Like, all right, pick a lane here. Brooke on the text line says it's scary to think that OU can get better, better than run ruling UCLA fourteen to zero. Scary good for us. Scary bad for other teams. Brad in Bartlesville adds, imagine the mental damage that was done to UCLA and how they will react the next time we play them. Well, that's a great point because I believe, what, we beat them 15-0 last time? Aren't we on like a Uh 29-0 run in the last 10 innings in back-to-back run rules? I think that's what it was, right? Well, and again, you watch the number two team in the country, the team that just lost their foothold atop the college softball landscape for the first time in two years you watch them go up against the newly crowned number one and absolutely run into zero issue in a blowout victory I mean just have your way start to finish with the team that just leapfrogged them at the top of the college softball rankings yeah not only is that a statement to UCLA that hey you're still second fiddle here but it's a statement to the rest of the country that there's still a sizable gap between Oklahoma and everybody else. And, and you know what's great, Parker? What's the biggest, uh, we'll call it an excuse, maybe a gripe, that you hear from fans around the country around College World Series time about OU softball? What's the biggest gripe about us? The biggest gripe? In, in the Women's College World Series about Oklahoma. Uh, the home field advantage. Exactly. And where was this game played? <laughs> Nowhere near Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. That's for dang sure. Yep, yep. Not not at all. It actually, uh, you know, had some home field advantage for uh, like pretty much everybody else in the in the, uh, in the tournament. We go undefeated in the tournament. Um, all the people, Florida State fans, for some reason, seem to be the most hung up on our quote unquote home field advantage in the WCWS, and it's kind of weird. Which is interesting because need we remind Florida State fans of what happened when they had significant, a, a significant proximity advantage in the 2000 national championship game? Well, and, and Tyler and I talk about this bunch. Don't you can't punish Oklahoma because Oklahoma City invested in women's sports, invested in softball. Mm-hmm. There, that's the difference. There are many places to play a football game. There, there's, there are infinite number of places to play baseball and, and, and basketball and whatnot. But in order to hold that type of event, you need to invest in a place like Oklahoma City did with USA Softball. I mean, the place is, is beautiful. And you have, if you want that event to be on like that, sorry, maybe you should have thought about that 20 years ago. Well, and look, Travis, 
I grew up in Omaha. I grew up going to the College World Series. The stadium was a 20-minute drive from my house. If home field advantage carried that sort of significance, if it mattered that much in that type of environment, then Nebraska and Creighton would be the dominant forces in men's college baseball, right? And yet Nebraska hasn't been to the College World Series since 2005. Creighton's only been once, and it was in 1991. So, exactly. clearly, you have to do a whole lot more than just play close to where the finale is located if you want to be the dominant force in college softball, and that's what Patty Gasso has been able to build. Home field advantage only comes into play for Oklahoma if they get to the Women's College World Series, which is a task in and of itself every single year. Right. How do you explain the rest of the season when they're playing on the road, at home, in tournaments, from coast to coast? How do you explain the dominance there? Oh, wait, maybe they have the best college or best coach in college, and uh, a lot of the best players in college happen to be residing in Norman, Oklahoma. I would tend to believe that that's a big reason. Ardmore Sooner says, indeed, OU softball is the BK, have-it-your-way, dominate winner in college softball. Not going to change either. They put college softball on notice again. Just getting started here on Steely and Thune at noon. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you. Over the next two hours, we're going to talk recruiting. We will talk spring football. We will field plenty of your questions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep chiming in. 405-651-3439. I mean, hey, Travis and I are your Twitter space boys. So let's make this thing Twitter space style. Chime in all throughout the show. Hit the text line hard. We'll keep it rolling next here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Well, the levy broke for OU softball this past weekend. Sooner fans now hoping the levy breaks for OU football recruiting this weekend as the dead period is set to end on Wednesday and the Sooners are set to host several High-end 2024 prospects on March 4th, this coming Saturday. And I have an opportunity to get some early commitments on the board in the month of March that is ahead, Travis. And we're going to dive into recruiting quite a bit later on in the program. And, of course, on Locked In with myself and Tyler McComas from 2 to 3 p.m. this afternoon. Parker Thune here with you in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Travis Davidson joining the show from Tulsa. No Mike Steely today or for the rest of the week as he is on spring break. This hour of the program brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system, call Lasher at 405-579-3113 for all your heat and air needs. You guys have been fantastic on the Air Comfort Solutions text line thus far, 405-651-3439 if you want to continue to chime in. And Travis, before we turn our attention to spring football and recruiting, which we will have plenty of time to discuss, how about Porter Moser and the OU men's basketball team, man? They they just keep hanging on. They don't the go away. Thing, the only thing that can compare to Oklahoma weather in a predictability contest, if you will, would be this basketball team. It makes no sense, Parker. I mean, no, it truly does. No, it does. I was I was in Houston, turned the game on. I'm like, man, I got to watch it. I'm I'm a glutton for punishment, so let's turn this thing on. And when we led, I'm like, ooh, I've been here before. Don't get your hopes up. Don't even talk about it. Don't tweet about it. Don't do anything. And and you hang on the whole way. We finally got the Jacob Groves uh, that, you know, I I thought we were going to have all year. He really stepped up. Uh, He's a guy that has the size 
that he just needs to play with the size that he has. I think sometimes he plays a lot smaller than than what he actually is. And 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 you know what? What stood out to me the most is that's a tough place to play. And we were worried, Parker, all season. Hey, you know, when is the team going to, you know, is this team, how's the locker room? Are they going to quit on Porter, all that? That didn't look like a team that quit on Porter. No, they certainly haven't quit. And they keep fighting. And for the most part, I think this season will be looked upon, especially in retrospect, as a disappointment. Because the Sooners were on the cusp of a tournament berth a year ago. I think many expected that OU was going to take that leap in year two. And they just haven't been able to find a consistent rhythm in what, admittedly, has been a very difficult Big 12 to navigate. And the Sooners have brought up the seller for much of the conference schedule. Just haven't been able to find a consistent rhythm in terms of offensive production, in terms of paint defense. And they've gotten manhandled at times by some of the elites in the Big 12 conference. And as the conference tournament approaches... The expectation, obviously, is that it's probably going to be either Baylor or Kansas, Texas in the conversation as well, but it seems like many of the experts are suggesting it's going to be Baylor or Kansas that takes home the Big 12 Conference title. That's the Sooners' only hope of getting into the field of 68 at this point in time is making an unforeseen, unexpected run in Kansas City to take home the Big 12 tournament crown. That would give them the auto bid for the league, They are not getting an at-large bid as things stand right now. But, man, it's been a Jekyll and Hyde act all year for Moser and that basketball team. And I think it especially was underscored at Hilton Coliseum on Saturday by the fact that it was Jacob Groves who lifted Oklahoma to victory. Of all people, Travis, Jacob Groves, a guy who had been virtually invisible for, I would say, the eight to ten games that preceded this one. Yeah, that's what's that's what's odd. I mean, I remember, I believe it was the, yeah, I think it was the uh, Kansas game. Anyways, like the entire bench, I think scored two points the entire game. I mean, just couldn't get anything going. I mean, he's a guy that, like I said, got size. He can shoot from the outside, you know, when he when he needs to. I've seen him throw down some posters this year, even. Um, so yeah, absolutely from out of nowhere. But you know, you mentioned the top teams that are kind of the odds-on favorites to take the tournament home. All teams that we've played with, uh-huh. like like played with, like it wasn't just a situation where you know how often it happens where you know a team gets a big lead and then you know maybe some calls go against them and the and the final score doesn't quite reflect what the entire game was. No, Oklahoma has hung with the top teams in this league. So I, I want to first and foremost say no, I do not expect Oklahoma to win this tournament. But what I'm saying is. They've played with these teams. It's not like they've been getting just absolutely run off the court by the entire conference, and they got lucky a couple times against Kansas State and Iowa State. What's what's crazy to me, Parker, is this team struggles so incredibly with turnovers. I mean, it's it's quite absurd. I mean, I think a couple games ago uh, we had 24 turnovers uh, to five assists. I mean, you can't you literally can't win basketball games like that. You know, this game was so interesting because OU finishes with 18 turnovers, and Iowa State only has five. But when OU out-rebounds them, uh, you know, out-shoots them at the free-throw line, uh, you know, out-shoots them at the three-point line, I mean, it's 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 wild. It's, it's so rare to see a team overcome an 18-5 to turnover deficit in a game that they controlled the entire way. The Sooners win at Hilton Coliseum for just the second time in a decade. 
Their two remaining games in the regular season are at Kansas State on Wednesday, and then they come home for their regular season finale to face TCU this coming weekend. And I think what made Oklahoma such an intriguing tournament case a year ago as an at-large was that they, by all accounts, looking at the metrics, looking at the advanced metrics that come into play when you're discussing NCAA tournament seeding and the selection committees doing their work, OU was outpacing their record. The metrics were a lot better for that Oklahoma basketball team a year ago than was the record. That's not necessarily the case this year. As you look at the metrics, the Sooners are 65th in the country in NET, which obviously is within the top 68, but there are going to be auto bids that come from outside that 68 without question. They are 89th in RPI. So maybe you win these last two games, it strengthens your odds, or at least strengthens your case just a little bit, but barring a run through the Big 12 tournaments and barring a couple of colossal upsets along the way, Oklahoma's probably not making the tournament as an at-large program. I tell you what, it's interesting, though. (laughs) It hasn't been a great year for Oklahoma on the basketball court. There have been a couple other programs in the state of Oklahoma that have done pretty darn well for themselves. Oklahoma State looks like they're going to be a tournament team, but how about Paul Mills and Oral Roberts, man? Undefeated in conference play. Undefeated in the Summit League. They may be ranked by the time the regular season wraps up, and they are in line to be an at-large team, regardless of whether they win the conference tournament or not. They are going to have a strong enough resume to get an at-large bid. Yeah, and I think when those, uh, you know, when those Porter Moser rumors really started heating up, I think a lot of people were looking uh, to the nine one eight, you know, to Oral Roberts when when we were talking about, you know, who who do you look at to replace him if he does mm-hmm. leave? Since then, of course, Porter Moser has doubled down, maybe even tripled down on his commitment to Oklahoma, his you know lack of interest in Notre Dame, his commitment to kind of building this culture. But I actually attended a. Uh, ORU game this year because I had uh, a buddy that was getting his jersey retired, old Caleb Green. And uh, I'll tell you what, watching Connor Vanover uh, from Little Rock, watching him play, I believe he, I believe he was an Arkansas transfer because I think I remember seeing him uh, in the OU Arkansas game last year. He's seven foot five, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. What? And this guy is shooting threes. <laughs> It's the craziest thing. Seven foot five? Yeah, two twenty seven. I mean, that's a that's Duh. a that's a not not a lot of meat on them bones. Interesting but, physique. Yeah, very interesting physique. Let me just say he stands out uh in that in that conference especially. But I'll tell you what, it was so funny. I kept on shouting, I was like, get 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 to the inside go get a rebound or something he's just sitting back you know shooting step back threes i'm like what what are we doing here and i think parker i get he's not a a beefy individual but i think part of it is that i've watched ou and they're kind of just get dominated on the inside Uh, obviously we 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 did well on the boards uh, against iowa state really well 39 to 27 on the boards but Seeing a seven-five guy that refuses to go in the paint, at least that game, I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. I was like, what I would do to have a guy that size. Oh, man. Seven-foot-five would play 
at the University of Oklahoma. No question about it. That would be huge for, huge for Porter Moser and his program because the one thing they've conspicuously lacked all season is a prominent post presence and just size in general is where they found themselves overmatched. Going to have to get the K-Ref research department on this one. But unless Oklahoma wins the Big 12 tournament, they're going to finish the season with no less than 16 losses. And I would venture a guess that there has never been a team in NCAA tournament history that has made the field of 68 as an at-large program with 16 losses. So, if, if if there ever was, Parker, it would probably be the one that beat the, what, number one or number two team in the country. Now that's true, and it probably would also be a team that comes from this year's from, Big 12. From, is this the best basketball conference uh, in recent history? I mean, from top to bottom? It has to be. Up There's there. a case. I mean, it has to be. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but – any uh, any massive uh, hoops historians out there, and I'm not talking just top end. I'm not talking two or three teams. This league, I mean, th- there exists a world, I guess depending on kind of tech, but there exists a world that all ten teams could make it if OU goes on a run. Like, how crazy would that be? <laughs> if all ten Big 12 programs make the NCAA tournament? <laughs> yeah. That'd be now, obviously, that, Probably will not happen, but the very fact oh, that yeah, absolutely. the very fact that that is even a possibility, a week out from Champ Week, it's pretty darn impressive when you look at the Big Twelve well, and how it stacks up top to bottom. Well, and Parker, like you talk about, okay, if we win these next two, where do we look? Like, do, okay, where in the NIT? Where would would we be? It looks like probably all hope is lost for the NCAA. I'll tell you what, Parker, if we win this last two, just think of the momentum, right? Like, just think of the like the 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 momentum that Porter has, like recruiting in the portal. Hey, look how we finished. Like we've got freshmen that you want to play with. You look at Owe, you look at Uzon, you look at, you know, all these guys, Joe Bamasil. You you look at these young guys like, hey, look, come play with these young guys. We just have a very young team. And Porter brings it up in a lot of interviews. He said, hey, look, we're playing guys that are like using their COVID year. You got, you know, fifth and sixth year guys out there all over the Big 12. You got seniors all over the Big 12. We're so young, and we start multiple true freshmen. That's something that he can kind of build on and at least say, hey, look, and, you know, Parker, as well as I do in the recruiting game, you got to take what angles you can get when you're selling your program. If you say, hey, look, we finished down the stretch with multiple ranked wins playing starting true freshmen. So why don't you come play with this squad and grow up with them with a couple of talented kids on the way? Yeah, and I don't think at this point anybody expects Oklahoma to make the field of 68. Obviously, it would be nice. Everybody would embrace it and be overjoyed if Oklahoma were to make a run through the Big 12 tournament. But more so throughout this closing stretch, it's about Porter and this program demonstrating or demonstrating some semblance of fight and giving the fan base something to be optimistic about heading into year three of Porter's regime. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Steely and Thune, Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on a Monday When we return back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, we will go 405-651-3439 to hit all of your questions and comments. Stay with us on The Ref. The Homa Sooner fans will be right back. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on a Monday on The Ref Sports Radio Network. Air Comfort Solutions text line available to you, 405 651-3439, and we will head there momentarily. 
hour or this this first hour of the program, excuse me, brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113 for all your heating and air needs, family owned and operated since 2007, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area. Travis, let's hit the text line. Where do you want to go first here? Oh, boy. Let's uh, I'll tell you what. I think Ronnie Crimson uh, had a had a great text. Uh Old Ronnie Crimson, how about the Sooner baseball team? After a few rough games, they turn around and win 7-1 and 11-1. Jackson Nicholas and Spikerman are finally heating up as they head toward a big weekend down in Frisco. Yeah, baseball team getting getting a little, uh, you know, tough start. Tough start for sure. Stranded a ton of runners. Uh, I was able to get down to some games uh, uh, opening weekend and then uh, uh, was able to kind of take in kind of the, the feels of the team, if you will, and I've been tuning in uh, to, to the radio broadcast, it seems like we've had the bases loaded, Parker, like three, at least three times that I remember, but probably four or five times and, and just really left them, left them stranded, and you just can't do that going forward. But looks like they're getting in the swing of things, no pun intended. What have you seen from the baseball team so far? Well, look, here's the thing. I don't put a whole lot of stock in what happens early in a baseball season because – as long as I've been around the game, with as long as I played the game, here's what I know about the sport of baseball. The team that takes the field in the months of February and March will generally not remotely resemble the team that's taken the field in the months of May and June. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of evolution. There's a lot of development that happens over the course of the season. So, I mean, you think back to Last year, I think it was late April where Spikerman broke into the lineup. To that point, I don't know that Oklahoma was even a 500 team. Of course, at that point, they go on a tear. The pitching comes around. The bullpen comes around. You get contributions one through nine in the lineup, and Oklahoma ends up a whisper away from a national title. So that the Oklahoma baseball program in the year 2022 is all the evidence you need that there is so much that can change with a program over the course of the three, four months that a season lasts. And so I I understand that they've had their difficulties cashing in with runners in scoring position. I understand that the pitching at times has been inconsistent through these first, what, eight, nine games for Oklahoma. But it's going to come around. It always does, especially once the weather gets warmer, too, because cold weather – is not fun to play baseball in. And generally, you face a team in February or March, they may get the best of you, and then three, four weeks down the road, once the weather warms up, it may just be that your program is better suited to play in a warm climate. That sounds like a small distinction to make, but I was a pitcher for years and years and years, and you face challenges when the weather's cold out that you don't necessarily face when you're looking at 65, 70 degrees and sunny. So I can recall back in 2020, for instance, where Dana Acker, who was the number three guy in the rotation for Oklahoma that season, got shellacked by Illinois State on a cold, chilly Monday afternoon, or Tuesday afternoon, excuse me, in Norman. Five days later, He's down in Houston at the Shriners Classic and tosses the program's first solo no-hitter in 31 years. So, again, I don't put a lot of stock into what happens early in a baseball season. What you look for is guys making strides at the plate, 
guys making strides on the bump, and just generally a team growing closer together and learning to play in cohesion with one another. And so, yeah, a couple of really impressive wins for the Sooners over the weekend after dropping the series opener against Ryder. I think they're headed in the right direction. I don't I, – I, I'm not comfortable predicting, predicting what type of team they're going to be come May when the season winds to a close. You're getting towards the Big 12 tournament and eventually the national tournament. So, Right. I'll tell you what, though. You talk. You bring up temperatures uh, and and how you might perform differently. Uh, our our, uh, our buddy Paul Doobie performed a bit differently. You know, beverages don't get hot on cold days, right? So you can get a cold beverage and you could set it down and and actually enjoy it. Well, that is unless a pitcher throws a wild pitch and hits said beverage and it flies all over you. That's what happened to uh, our friend Paul Doobie um, in the bottom of the sixth uh, against against Ryder. Uh, pitcher uh, threw one right at his beer and just smoked it. Went all over him. Was so, he sitting in the front row? Front row. Yeah. yeah. See, that's got to be careful, man. That's why you don't sit in the front row. It's always the second row. That's as close as you can get. Always sit in the second row because you sit in the front row. That's the risk you run. Yeah. Well, you just gotta you just gotta be prepared for that. Especially sitting right behind home plate. Got to cut that. You got to put that beer on the ground, man. Got to. Yeah, it's okay to put some peanuts up there or something like that. But not the beer, man. Yeah. Now, obviously, the big thing for Oklahoma this year in the sport of baseball, the biggest thing for Skip Johnson, whom we talked to on Locked In this past Friday, is replacing the key contributors that he lost. Now, Tanner Treadaway is not on that program. He was a cornerstone both defensively and offensively for the Sooners a season ago. You had Spikerman in the leadoff slot. He's back, but you lose Blake Robertson, who was your three-hole hitter. You lose Jimmy Crooks, who had some huge hits for that program down the stretch as they made the run to and ultimately through the College World Series. The biggest loss is probably Peyton Graham. And with what he provided at the plate for Oklahoma, that's not one guy that's easily replaceable. I think back to the movie Moneyball, where Billy Bean is played by Brad Pitt is trying to communicate to his group of scouts that look we can't replace Jason Giambi we can't do it and that's the Sooners predicament in replacing Peyton Graham no one guy is going to give you what Peyton Graham gave you in 2022 so it's going to have to be a collaborative effort one through nine for Oklahoma offensively top to bottom in that lineup and then they're going to have to have a couple dominant arms emerge and I think You look at a guy like Cale Davis, he has the potential to be that for Oklahoma. But you don't have Cade Horton this year. You don't have Jake Bennett this year. You don't have Trevin Michael, who was your ace out of the pen. There's a lot that Skip Johnson's going to have to figure out, and I don't know if we necessarily have a sense of what this Oklahoma baseball team's identity is going to be. But then again, we didn't know what their identity was a year ago, and they ended up the national runner-up. So, It's one of those things that will come. Skip's a fantastic coach. He knows what he's working with. He knows how to maneuver in terms of setting his lineup and in terms of navigating the challenges of deploying bullpen arms. I have faith that this Oklahoma baseball team is going to turn a corner at some point. Now, I just want want to emphasize this, Travis. I don't want to get expectations too high for this program this spring because – Getting back to the College World Series, I'll be honest, is probably not going to happen. 
not because this OU baseball team isn't going to be good enough, but just because getting to the College World Series, period, based on the way that the tournament is structured, is really, really hard to do, let alone do it in back-to-back years. And some of the bounces that went your way a year ago may not go your way a year later. So let's not operate under the impression or under the assumption that Oklahoma is going to get all the way back to Omaha. But I do think Skip has a really good group this year, and their ceiling, I, I don't know if their ceiling is quite as high as it was last year, but if they start clicking at a certain point the way that they clicked a year ago, I, I think with Skip's penchant for developing pitchers, pitching is what's going to travel in the postseason. So if Oklahoma's rotation comes around, this may be a team that's right back at the pedi- or at the zenith of the Big 12. Oh, no doubt. And if, if there's a if there's a pitcher that you you know believe, and I think this would be the national perspective too, uh, if there's a pitcher or, or a coach you believe in to get pitching right, it is Skip Johnson, uh-huh. right? Like, I mean that that is a guy we've seen it um, kind of throughout his career. It's you won't have mediocre pitching late in the year, but it's not not with Skip Johnson at the helm. So yeah, I I I, I figure they'll keep improving. I think we we caught some breaks last year. Obviously, uh, Peyton Graham helps you catch some breaks. Cade Horton teaching himself an unhittable pitch uh, in the Big Twelve tournament uh, sure was helpful. So um, yeah, you know things got to break your way, but that's sports, isn't it, Parker? I mean, it's it's not always everything just went perfectly, and that's why you ended up where you were. It's you keep on putting yourself in the best situations, best positions uh, to have those breaks break your way, and uh, we'll see how the uh, cookie crumbles. We're back to wrap up our number one coming up next. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Travis Davidson, Parker Thune rolling with you on a Monday. Keep hitting the Air Comfort Solutions text line and keep it here on the Home of Sooner fans, the Ref. Welcome back to Steel Man and Thune at Noon. Parker Thune and Travis Davidson filling in for Mike Steely on a Monday and for the rest of the week here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Always open to you if you got questions or comments. Let's head there now, and several of you have mentioned that there is an issue with the radio signal cutting in and now we're going to check on that i would imagine that has something to do with tornado damage from last night but uh, we will get the good folks who do all of the fantastic behind the scenes work on the case most notably drake dyken we'll pass it along to drake and see what we can figure out as far as that's concerned. But, yeah, with as much tornado damage as there is in Norman and the surrounding areas, have to imagine that whatever issues uh, are, whatever issues some of you listeners are experiencing with the radio signal may have something to do uh, with power outages. Uh, Travis, to the text line here. Uh, will OU press hard on 2024 five-star edge Dylan Stewart? Now, for those of you paying attention to the new on three recruiting rankings this morning dylan stewart is on three's number one prospect in the country for the class of 2024 however oklahoma one of oklahoma's priority targets at the edge position is the number two overall player in the country and the number two edge rusher in the nation will nwaneri 
out of Lee Summit, North Missouri, former high school teammate of current Oklahoma offensive lineman Caden Green. So, no, it does not seem that Oklahoma will push too terribly hard for Dylan Stewart because they are pushing hard for Will Nguyenary. They are pushing hard for Jay Sean Ross. They've got eyes on a couple of other edge targets as well, Travis. So, despite the fact that Dylan Stewart is the newly minted number one overall prospect, according to On3, doesn't seem like Oklahoma is going to be heavily involved there. Right. And, you know, with so many good relationships with, you know, defensive line prospects, really across the whole defensive line in this class, you know, I think I, I think they, you know, kind of have their guys kind of dialed in for the most part, at least their targets dialed in. They've had their eyes on this class for a while. And also that's that's how you kind of get in the weeds on rankings. Right, Parker? It's like you work in the business. It's like you have four separate entities that rank all differently, and then you're, you have to wonder, okay, are these scouts that are seeing different things on film? Are they doing something because maybe they have more uh, you know, scouts in one area or they have more employees in one area, or maybe they have employees that have a page for a specific school, like I know OU doesn't have an on-three site. Like, there's, there's so many things that go into these rankings and a lot of different opinions is what it ends up being. But, I mean, for example, David Stone is ranked as the sixth best defensive lineman uh, in the country. I'd probably put him higher than that, wouldn't you, Parker? Uh, yes, certainly. And David Stone was not happy about that ranking if you were paying attention to his tweets earlier this morning. That's it for hour number one here on Steel Man and Thune at Noon. Parker Thune and Travis Davidson here with you for another hour when we return on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Keep it right here, and we'll be back. And we do have two men talking on this Monday afternoon, those two men being myself, Parker Thune, as well as Tulsa's own grill boy himself, Travis Davidson, via the magic of modern technology, joining us from green country. For Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, second hour of this program brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley is where you need to head to get a fantastic deal on a new or used vehicle with the Seth Wadley Auto Group and lock down that guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Travis, as we open hour number two, Let's head right to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to, from the 405, forget baseball. I'll stick with watching the thumpers. Patty Gasso rolls out there one through nine. I tell you what, Parker, there is, you know, it, it is just wild to watch, even if you're not a softball fan. Like, you just sit back and watch this Oklahoma team, and they're truly insane. Um, Gunny of Stutzman Army. The app is crystal clear, lads. So, yeah, so by the ahead, way, if you are ahead. having issues, uh, and many of you have reported that the radio signal is cutting in and out, again, we imagine that has something to do with power outages across the OKC area in the aftermath of yesterday's storms. But regardless, if you are one of the listeners experiencing those issues, do what Gunny Stuntsman Army does and tune in via the KREF app because you will find no issues there. Yeah, that's that's what I do as well, and I 
I usually get great signal here in Tulsa. So I am a big app guy. Uh, it's, download the app. It's it's better. You can go back and listen to previous episodes. If you miss something, uh, pregame, postgame, podcast, all that kind of stuff is on there, uh, and it's always crystal clear. So definitely do that. From the 405, Parker, I'm going to pitch this to you, only because I believe you actually did you, you wrote about it, obviously. So what really happened in the championship series in Omaha? Did they run out of gas, silent bats, due to better pitching, or something else? Well, you know, it's interesting because we had – Tyler and I had Skip on the program Friday, and Skip mentioned in Game 2 against Ole Miss, the Sooners, of course, dropped Game 1 of the championship series, hung in there in Game 2, lost a ninth-inning lead uh, – or maybe it was an eighth-inning lead – lost a late lead – Ole Miss comes out on top in that contest and sweeps the championship series. But one of the things that Skip said was they knew every pitch that was coming from Ole Miss's starter in game two. And for the life of me, I can't remember his name. But he had a no-hitter against the Sooners through five innings. Skip said, look, we we knew every pitch that was coming. It was a fastball, breaking ball, changeup. We knew what was coming, and we just couldn't find the holes. We couldn't find green space with the bats and that's one of the things that just happens in baseball Travis you can know what's coming you can be sitting on a pitch you can be sitting on a pitcher and you can connect make solid contact put the ball in play as Oklahoma did for much of that game and you just end up hitting it right at guys it's one of the unfortunate realities of the way that the cookie crumbles in that sport is you got seven guys out in the field Eight if you count the pitcher, which means you got eight guys that you can hit a ball hard and hit it right to. And that's what happened for Oklahoma on that fateful Sunday afternoon. They eventually broke through, got a couple of late runs, took a lead. Trevin Michael couldn't hold it, and that was how Ole Miss ended up claiming its first national championship in program history in the sport of baseball. So, yeah, I... I think that is what you chalk it up to more than anything because Oklahoma did not lose in the entire College World Series tournament before they faced off with Ole Miss in the championship series. They were unbeaten to that point in Omaha. The Rebels got the best of them on consecutive days, and a lot of it was simply due to the fact that Oklahoma was hitting what we call atom balls. They were putting the bat on the ball. They were making solid contact. It just so happened that when they did put the bat on the ball, the ball ended up heading right in the general direction of an Ole Miss defender. So I think it was more poor luck than anything else for Oklahoma. But for those that did not get the chance to tune in or follow Oklahoma's run in Omaha last June, A, it was super fun for me to cover, especially as somebody that grew up going to the College World Series every single year up in Omaha. But it was it was unfortunate to watch it all end for Oklahoma the way that it did because they had been so, so hot to that point. It They seemed virtually – I think the word we kept using throughout that week is inevitable. The dam was going to break for that lineup at a certain point. Cade Horton, I don't know what he figured out over the last month of the season, but he became one of the most dominant pitchers in the sport for a minute in time there. Jake Bennett was fantastic. Trevin Michael was fantastic in extended appearances out of the bullpen. But in the end, yeah, I think they just ran out of gas and not of their own volition, just by virtue of the fact that 
their luck ran out more so than anything else. Uh, yeah, and, and, and with that, you bring up Cade Horton, you know, kind of catching fire that last month of the season. I remember talking with you earlier than that saying, you know, you know, Cade Horton, like he's got, you know, all the talent in the world. You know, do we think he leaves after this year? Do you think he's drafted high enough to leave? And uh, boy, oh boy, <laughs> uh, he definitely did. He went number seven overall to the Cubs. So when we were talking just pre-College World Series, if he was, okay, if he's a first-rounder, he probably leaves. If not, you know, we might get him back. No, he not only was he a first-rounder, that's a top-ten pick. Cade Horton made himself some money in Omaha. Yes, he Goodness yes, he gracious. Did. Yes, he did. And the last start of his collegiate career, I want to say he had 13 strikeouts, if my memory serves me correctly. I believe it was the College World Series record, was it not? It may, it may well have. Yeah, you know it was. It was because the previous record was 12, as shared by Brady Singer, former Florida Gator, uh, current MLB right-hander, and somebody I can't remember who all shared the record, but the previous record was 12. Kate Horton shattered that record with 13 in what was an eventual no decision as Oklahoma dropped game two of that championship series. But Kate Horton went out with a bang, ended up a top 10 MLB draft pick. I don't know if anybody made more money in Omaha than that dude. Uh, Sky Chicken, Western Okie says, Parker the KREF app is cutting out as well. Well, we're having issues across the board. That's just the nature of the beast. Little more than 12 hours after tornadic activity here in God's country. Well, so. just uh, Parker, just invite him down to the studio, and uh, you can just hang out in the, in the studio and just listen from there. Uh, from the 918, oh, this is Ronnie Crimson. Interesting to hear that Parker was a former pitcher. Got to know what was in his pitch arsenal. Yeah, Ronnie, I'm left-handed. So, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot to do for me on a baseball diamond except roam the outfield and pitch. So, I was a left-hander with a relatively low arm slot, so I was a sinker-slider guy for the most part. That was my calling card. Uh from the 405 david stone sure isn't happy with his latest rankings no he is not and we talked about that at the end of the first hour new rankings from on three today david stone named the number six defensive lineman and number 64 overall prospect in the country the native of dell city currently at img academy very quickly took to twitter to voice his displeasure with that ranking yeah i mean and and this is a guy that you know, he's very active on social media, we'll say. Um, very, very active, whether it's on Instagram, going live, playing video games, talking about recruiting. He's consistently, uh, you know, putting up OV picks and edits and everything like that. Uh, so he's extremely active. If there was going to be a guy that saw his ranking immediately, it was going to be David Stone. And, yeah, I, I don't know, like, like we were saying uh, on a previous segment, you know, different recruiting services they have different resources they may be you know influenced in different ways they may have different reasons to recruit or to uh, rank guys ahead of other guys Um, but it is what it is at the end of the day all you need to know is David Stone is one of the best defensive linemen in the country I think he's uh, probably top three-ish if I had to guess and uh, I still think that he ends up a sooner I, I still believe that from the 402, shout out to the homeland. If Devon Mitchell reclassifies to the 24 class, does that help or hurt OU's chances 
And this is another recruitment that we've been talking about quite a bit lately. The four-star, or five-star, excuse me, the five-star for the moment in the class of 2025. Number one tight end in that cycle out of Los Alamitos, California, originally from Allen, Texas, and originally a high school teammate of one Michael Hawkins, whom we will talk more about throughout the show, and certainly again in the 2 o'clock hour once it's time for Locked In. But I expect Devon Mitchell to reclassify. I expect news to that end to drop here within the next few weeks. If and when that happens, Oklahoma is in a very, very good spot for Devon Mitchell, the point where if the Sooners land Michael Hawkins, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt Devon Mitchell is going to follow suit. Even if Oklahoma doesn't land Michael Hawkins, I still think they're going to have quite an appealing pitch and some definite legs in the recruitment of Devon Mitchell, the tight end. And, 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 and as you say that, uh, I think it's important to address that he couldn't transfer because of the UIL stuff that you know Hawkins was going through. He couldn't just transfer. He would not get you know to appeal. He would not get a waiver. He would not be able to just transfer freely um just you know as as hawkins did obviously they had some issues got the vote to go their way but um this isn't a situation i think a lot of people parker saw him just go out west and say well that is all she wrote he's going to usc we need to just forget about him this that and the other and that is certainly not the case he's he's been a bunch to norman with uh michael hawkins jr and his family Uh, i don't believe and parker correct me if i'm wrong is TCU one of the top schools, just as we're relating it to Hawkins? Is yeah. TCU one of Mitchell's top schools? I don't believe it is. They did not make the top 11. Ooh. If you don't make a top 11? 11? Wow. Yeah. Which that tells you those two are not necessarily a package deal. It's not the it's not the type of deal where if Michael Hawkins goes to Oklahoma, Devon Mitchell's following. If he goes to TCU, Devon Mitchell's following. Oklahoma is the one school that those two have a ton of mutual love for. And so if Hawkins commits to Oklahoma, and that may happen, it may happen pretty soon, more on that later, I do think Mitchell would follow him, and it may not take too long for Oklahoma to put the clamps on him as well, which would be a banner pair of additions to the 2024 class for OU, which – Still has zero commits. Oklahoma is still waiting for their first commit in the class of 2024. The dam is going to break before long. I expect it to happen in the month of March and with a big junior day on the horizon for the Sooners. Uh, Heck, we may have a commit by this time next week, Travis. I'm not saying count on it. I don't think I'm counting on it. But things are going to ramp up here, and when they do, they'll ramp up quickly. Yeah, well, uh, I I think – it's it's about time, right? You're seeing decommitments from other schools. We're we're yet to get our first commitment, but we knew this was going to happen, Parker. We need to make sure that we remember this every year that Brent Venables is at the helm. He wants people to take their visits, and we don't want to be left like Notre Dame holding the bag, losing five star defensive you know defensive linemen, five star safeties, guys like this you know leading up to to signing day. And you, you just want to let Brent Venables do his thing. He ended up with the number four class in the country last year by doing this exact same thing. So we're going to stick with it. We're going to be confident with it, no doubt. Another programming note as we continue to navigate uh, the airways and kind of troubleshoot everything, uh, make sure you are on the KREF app, not the 94.7 app. So 
K-R-E-F in the App Store. That seems to, based on the text line, seems to be working uh, rather fine. So make sure you are on the K-R-E-F app, not the 94.7 app. We should be coming in crystal clear. If not, then I'm not, I don't know what to tell you. Now, regardless of the medium on which you're joining us, thanks so much for making KREF a part of your Monday afternoon. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, here with you live on the airwaves. And when we return, more football, more recruiting, more texts. It's the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. It is the Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson with you on this Monday. Hopefully all of you listeners in the Norman and OKC area are doing okay. Have your power restored if you lost it in the aftermath of last night's storms, which yielded a couple tornadoes. One that came right through Norman. One that came very, very near my house, Travis, and caused some damage on the south-southeast side of Norman. But uh, for those that are getting the chance to tune in, on this Monday, thanks so much for being with us. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439 is where you can head. Somebody somebody texted, what's up with Jeff Ketchum? He's been busy this morning. Do I even want to know, yeah. Travis? Oh, I uh, see, I can only see the aggregators um, put things out because Jeff Ketchum has me blocked. No way! So... <laughs> so oh. Yeah, I, it was over the, uh, if you remember the Urban Meyer stuff, uh, when he was, uh, you know, getting on his high horse about the hiring of Urban Meyer, only to, once later down the road, found out uh, he was a candidate, uh, changed his tune a bit. So, yeah, old Jeff Ketchum, uh, I have been blessed to not see his um, stuff anywhere on my timeline. But, no way. yeah, he put in a couple uh, crystal balls this morning for uh, some OU targets. He did? He did. I need to hear this. He's got Nigel Smith and Caden Durham both headed to Norman. Well, well, well. It's about time. He's got trying to catch up to you, it seems. I, he must have had steam coming out of his ears putting those predictions uh, in. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, Jeff. That he has I, not blocked me, surprisingly enough. However... He can no longer dunk on me for having fewer Twitter followers than him because I have more Twitter followers than him. So uh, there you go. I don't know if Jeff has a claim to supremacy anymore. But um, that's uh, that was his go-to. He always brought that up. It's a very very good point here from Realtor Chris on the text line. One that I agree with. Uh, he's listening on the AM side and says AM signal is perfect. Plus sometimes sports talk. Just feels right on AM. That's the way I grew up, man. Yeah, Listening I agree to sports with that. talk radio on the AM frequency. No, it is yeah. not as clear, but it's just it's it's familiar to me. I turn on AM radio and I'm like, ah, nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that absolutely. So I mean, that's what it's funny when people talk. Oh, what do you? Oh, sports talk radio. Uh, you know, got got a little little weekly show going on. Oh, AM station. Yeah, it's just assumed. And here in Tulsa, I respond with, well, yeah, but you should really download the app. <laughs> but, yeah, the uh, the Jeff Ketchum, uh, he, he, he's he got a couple guys going to OU. Uh, Big-time stuff. Uh, obviously, Nigel Smith, who we think eventually will be a five-star out of Melissa, Texas. Um, and then Caden Durham. I'll tell you what. We talk about how fun it is to watch 
the OU juggernaut play softball. Parker, it looks like we've got uh, the same juggernaut with running back recruiting this year. <laughs> I was just I mean, about to go there, man, because look, it any other year, if Caden Durham were to graduate high school in any other cycle, I probably wouldn't would have put in a crystal ball for him to Oklahoma a long, long time ago. But there's just really no clarity right now as to who's going to end up in Oklahoma's running back class because it could be seven or eight different guys, all of whom are studs. Yeah, that's simply absurd. I mean, I think uh, who, who's your money on at the end of the day? I'm I'm, I'm going Durham and Peoples. Yeah, and then if yeah, no, I mean, that's that, that's exactly the two that I would bet on is Durham and Peoples. But I again, I don't know. How close? How about this, Parker? Here, here's a here's a question for you. Those are the two that we think are going to end up in it. How quickly is running back recruiting going to be done? Because I feel like this is going to be once one pops. The other one's going to have to get in the boat quickly because the boat is going to be leaving the port right after the first one gets in. You know, so it's like, hey, look, we need to we need to hop on here. So, h- how early do you think running back recruiting will just be sewn up? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I don't think quite as early as everybody expects, but you can start doing official visits, I believe, at the beginning of May. And so I would think that by mid to late May, we have our answer. Because I do think there are a couple guys on the board right now for DeMarco that could commit before OV season wraps up. But once it's open season for official visits, I think it's going to be, okay, who's willing to OV first and who's willing to commit first? It's going to be a first-come, first-serve type of deal. But I mentioned this Friday. I'll mention it again. There is a blue-chip running back in the 2024 class that has tried to commit to Oklahoma. And the Sooners have held him off because they think they got better options at that position. I'm not going to say who, not going to give any hints, but just know that DeMarco Murray feels good enough with where he stands that he turned away a four-star running back. Well, didn't necessarily turn him away, but say, but said, hey, you can't commit at least not yet because that's how good OU feels about some of the targets that are at the top of their board, namely Caden Durham and James Peoples. Well, I don't, you know, some people aren't going to like that. They're going to say, wait a minute, we could have had a four-star committed by now, and, and, and we're telling them, no, what's going on here? But, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, really is an embarrassment of riches. I mean, you've got, I think it was, was it Wilt Fong that uh, kind of dropped the bomb that said, oh, yeah, the top-ranked running back in the class, uh, you know, wants to, you know, wants to go play for yeah, DeMarco it's, Murray. Like, so, and, it's and, Jarrett Gibson, whom DeMarco, yeah. like, Jared Gibson has wanted an OU offer forever, and he hasn't gotten it because DeMarco Murray has guys that he likes better, and he's prioritized the guys that he likes better. And and that's the thing that's funny. It's like if if you're if you're counting on evaluation, you just have to trust DeMarco's evaluation at this point. You simply have to. So he's going to get his guys. We're going to get some really good ones, and. I would bet, Parker, that Caden Durham's going to take a nice jump in the rankings. I, I, I would think so, too. I think he's currently ranked number 18 among backs in the 24-7 sports composite. I'd be surprised if he's not top 10 at the position. Uh, he has been insanely productive over the last two seasons at Duncanville, and he's got speed to burn. Man, that is a dynamic speed back, a guy that is – absolute hell for defenses once he gets in the open field um 
Michigan Sooner asks, what is the impact of Jeff's balls on OU recruiting? Hopefully minimal. I don't yeah, think I don't God, think I anyone so. wants to concern themselves with Jeff Ketchum's balls, but that's just me. Um, is there any update on OU and Zena Umozalu? Says one listener in the eight three two. I I don't anticipate that he will be a Sooner. It seems like most of the buzz there with Zoo, as he's known is with Texas A&M. Of course, he's got a brother at Texas. I don't think he's going to go to Texas. I think Texas A&M leads that race right now, but I am curious to see how that might be affected if Michael Hawkins were to commit to Oklahoma and start getting in Zoo's ear because that could be one thing that helps swing the dynamic in favor of OU. Yeah, and it's uh... – it's funny we get this text from the 972. Would you rather have both Durham and Peoples, or would you like Gibson with one of those? And, again, I think it comes down to whatever DeMarco Murray wants because it sounds like DeMarco Murray's going to get what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like Gibson wants to be a Sooner, and it's – or at least wants that offer. But, you know, DeMarco's kind of kind of sitting back and letting him come to him, which is crazy. I mean, pretty much – I don't know who else. Maybe Brian Hartline with wide receivers at Ohio State. Um, I mean, you got to look at posi- like position groups around the country. It would be tough to replicate what DeMarco Murray is able to do during this cycle. Sit back and just say, hey, look, they're going to come to me. It's fine. Because even the ones that are coming to him, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And we're talking about a guy that before too long – may be regarded as one of the best positional recruiters in the country, and I think he's already there. I just don't think we've gotten to the point where his reputation precedes him, mostly because he's only taken two guys a cycle. And so while there may be dudes like Brian Hartline, dudes like Charles Kelly that are responsible for running point on five to six recruitments a year, DeMarco Murray's only ever going to sign two dudes in a recruiting class. And so – they're, they're going to be highly regarded guys, but there's not going to be the quantity in addition to the quality that's going to put DeMarco Murray in that conversation until I think we start to see some of the guys that he's recruited in years past, i.e. Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk, until those guys start to pop off in terms of their production for Oklahoma that's the point at which everybody nationally is going to start to take notice of what DeMarco Murray has been able to do as a recruiter. But, man, he has been instrumental for Oklahoma, and he's been huge in terms of being able to recruit the running back room. And it got off to a rocky start for him as a recruiter because he put all his eggs in the Kamar Wheaton basket back in the class of 2021. The Sooners didn't get him, but all he did was turn around and pull Eric Gray out of the transfer portal and turn him into a 1,300-yard back by the time he was finished in Norman, Oklahoma. So DeMarco knows what he's doing. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you. As the 1 o'clock hour rolls on, we will go back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Coming up next, we already got several comments, several questions queued up. If you want to chime in, by all means do so. 405-651-3439. And we'll get to all of your sentiments on the text line coming up next. This is The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. It's a Monday on The Ref Sports Radio Network. Steel Man and Thune at noon. No Steely today or for the rest of the week. It is myself, Parker Thune, joined by Travis Davidson this week. 
from 12 to 2 here on the airwaves all across the Sooner State and the world on the KREF app. To the Air Comfort Solutions text line we go, as promised. And, oh, boy, we're really going to do this again, Travis. We got a listener that says, Offensive line recruiting really lagging so far for this cycle. Spring visitor list is thin and lacking. Is Biedenboe ever going to sign a full and elite class, or are we doomed to filling via mid-portals forever? Yeah. Um, you know, I know we've had this conversation before. Um, you know, offensive line is kind of a different animal. Um, getting in big bodies, and we got big bodies, believe it, experienced bodies, there's only a certain number of guys uh, that you can take, that can play, but he got four good, uh, you know, four good recruits uh, this past year, obviously headlined by Caden Green. Um, I think the top-ranked prospect he's ever recruited, right? I believe by 247 standards, at least it was. Uh, save um, for Bray Walker, yes. Yeah, save for Bray Walker. But it's it's interesting because here's a guy that signed one of a top two guy at offensive line, and that same guy has put countless guys in the league in high rounds in the league. Some of his players are the highest-paid football players in the entire NFL, and they all cite Bill Biedenboe, you know, was able to do this. So with that being said, it, it's been abundantly clear that we've been able to field, you know, at times elite offensive lines with the way that he does it, with how he looks for certain kids. Um, he's He's got his guys. And with, with the portal, he can go get big bodies and doesn't have to worry about getting 18-year-olds ready to play. I mean, right now he's got a load of guys uh, that – you know, will hopefully play one day, but there's only five spots on the offensive line. You can't rotate them out like receivers, or you can't rotate them out like, you know, defensive backs and things like that. So, I don't know. What, what's your take on that, Parker? Here's the thing. I, I don't know where that narrative is coming from, but Bill Biedenboe and Oklahoma are poised to host some big-time offensive linemen over the next couple of months, and they're already in great standing with several big-time offensive linemen in the 2024 classes. Things stand right now. I think Oklahoma leads for Casey Poe, four-star kid out of Lindale, Texas. Big, versatile prospect. Physically reminds me a lot of Caden Green in that uh, he's he moves very well for having a frame as large as he has, and he's got positional versatility, could play guard, could play tackle. Casey Poe is a guy that I've had an Oklahoma crystal ball in for several months now. And I think Alabama is going to be the primary competition there, but I really do like where OU stands. I also think OU has the opportunity to move into the lead for Grant Bricks this weekend. Four-star offensive lineman out of Logan, Iowa. Now, that is a kid that is an absolute killer on film. And very docile, very well-mannered kid. Low maintenance, exactly the type that, you know, I, I got the chance to sit down with him for about an hour last month and discuss some of the schools that he's most interested in. And there, there are certain guys that you could just tell are a perfect cultural fit for Oklahoma. And that's not to say that Grant Bricks is certainly going to end up a Sooner, but my goodness, that dude is a Sooner as far as his temperament and demeanor and overall attitude is concerned. Now, he will be visiting this weekend. One of the guys that's making the trip 
on March 4th to check out Oklahoma. He's been down already. I believe November was when he took his first unofficial campus visit. Might have been for the Bedlam game, but I do think Oklahoma has the chance to make some headway there this weekend and potentially move into the lead. Max Anderson, top 200 kid, number 11 offensive tackle in the country. OU has a very nice in there in that he's the younger brother of backup Oklahoma center Nate Anderson, former four-star prospect in the class of 2020. I think OU leads there. Uh, Caden Massey, that's another guy that I would keep tabs on. Currently a three-star out of Linden, Kansas, but he is not your average three-star, not by a long shot. We're talking about the type of kid that in years past would have flown under the radar, gone to Kansas State, and become an all-Big 12 player by the time he was a junior. I think very highly of Caden Massey. He's going to be at Oklahoma on March 25th, and I do think the Sooners are going to be very tough to deny in that race. Another guy that's coming to town this weekend, Bennett Warren, six foot seven, 305 pounds out of Sugar Land, Texas. He's high on Texas A&M. He's high on Tennessee. A couple other schools at the top of the food chain for him, but Oklahoma will get him on campus this weekend with an opportunity to make a move. Well, well, there you go. Yeah, so the so it may be, I, I guess you could say, a a myth that uh, the offensive line recruiting is lagging. I think that all offensive or all, all recruiting, you could say, is technically lagging, right? Because man, there's no commits. What's going on? This visitor list, you know, I don't see a lot of these guys' names on it. But I think everything is fine. I think Bill Biedenboe has earned a bit of the benefit of the doubt, at least from me, and I know from others. That is a guy that if he were to become a free agent for any reason, he would be snatched up within 30 seconds. I, I wish people knew how much Bill Biedenboe has turned down in the past in order to stay oh. at Oklahoma. I th- and, and, and I think if you got the, you know, the tweet announcement from Bruce Feldman that said, you know, Oklahoma or and Bill Biedenboe are parting ways, he wouldn't, he would make it in the same thread where he was being picked up next. Now he's, he is, he, he's, like I said, earned the benefit of the doubt. A couple other guys I, for, I neglected to mention uh, previously. Daniel Cruz, four-star offensive lineman out of Richland Hills, Texas. He's in town this weekend. And then old big Eddie Pierre-Louis out of Tampa Catholic, former high school teammate of one Lewis Carter, ranked number 142 overall and number nine among interior offensive linemen right now in the 24-7 sports composite. Grew up an Oklahoma fan. Imagine that. So, Beatenbow's got options in the class of 2024. And look, he's not gonna he's not gonna clean house. He's not gonna go four for four amongst his top targets because that's difficult for any coach to do in any given year. Let alone when you're talking about a position like offensive lineman, where the elite of the elite are gonna have the chance to go make some money in terms of their NIL valuations at their destinations of choice. But with as many guys as Bill Biedenboe has already developed solid relationships with and put Oklahoma in good standing with, I'm confident that whoever he lands in the class of 24, whether it's three, four, or five guys that ultimately make up this offensive line class, it'll be one that people are pleased with. Yeah, and, and as we said, he hasn't needed to have the Wagyu beef to make the best meal. You know what I mean? He can get he, he can get the prime beef and cook better than half the chefs out there. You know, more than half the chefs out there. The guy's got a Joe Moore award for goodness sakes with guys that were no year, nowhere close to ranked 
near uh, you know five the, the a, a line full of five stars. So I, I think I, I think Parker, you know what it is. I think people are just getting a little you know restless because you know we're waiting on some some commitments, and that's perfectly reasonable. That's just something we're going to have to deal with. Uh, for those that continue to mention on the text line that they're having issues with the signal cutting in and out. I would transition over to the KREF app if you're listening on the radio side. We haven't had any issues to this point today with the AM signal or the KREF app. It is mostly for those listening on 94.7 that are having issues as far as connectivity is concerned. So switch to the KREF app, uh, switch to the AM signal, 1400 AM in and around Oklahoma City. Uh, as we continue to get past some of the issues that have been caused by storm damage last night and into the wee hours of the morning across the Sooner State. You mentioned it, Travis, and this is kind of the last last addition I want to make before we break and get ready to wrap up the 1 o'clock hour, but you mentioned that Bill Biedenbow has done magnificent work cobbling together elite offensive lines uh, – composed of guys that might not have been considered elite prospects on the offensive line in years past. Just imagine if Biedenboe were to sign four or three stars in the 2024 class. People would flip out, but Drew Samia was a three-star. Cody Ford was a three-star. Ben Powers was a three-star. Orlando Brown was a three-star. I can only imagine if he'd signed all four of those guys in the same class, I can only imagine what kind of receipts we'd have been pulling four or five years down the road when all four of those guys uh, were holding their own and in some cases even starting at the NFL level. So not worried about Biedenbo, not worried about the offensive line that he's going to field at the University of Oklahoma. Okay, last break of the hour coming up here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you. We will be back to wrap up the 1 p.m. hour and turn things over to Locked In from 2 to 3 with myself and Tyler McComas. Coming up next, you're listening to the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. All right, Travis Davidson, I guess we're going to get combative to close things out here on Steel Man at Thune at noon on this Monday. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. The same listener that asked the question about Bill Biedenbow, with which we had a lot of fun and a lot of discussion last segment, tuned back in and said, y'all's defensive Biedenbow is the definition of straw man, completely ignoring that the University of Oklahoma shouldn't have to cobble together a class of hopefully developmental three stars or that Bill hasn't developed worth a crap since that 2015 class. The bar of expectation is reset every season in college football, and Bill hasn't reached his in several years. Uh, Travis, correct me if I'm wrong here, but hasn't the University of Oklahoma averaged you, – you take out sacks. You disregard sacks because obviously that brings the average down. But if you disregard sacks, hasn't Oklahoma averaged like six yards per carry, what, six, seven years running now? Yep, yep. I uh, believe uh believe that's correct. Uh the same team that led the Big 12 in rushing last year. And correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Bill Biedenbow have a former offensive tackle that's likely about to be drafted in the first round in a couple months here? Uh yep, that would uh, that would be correct too, Parker. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but isn't development just as much of a coach's job responsibility as recruiting is? 
Um, I would say it's actually even more important, Parker. So, if all Bill Biedenboe can recruit is three stars, but the Sooners' running back room is averaging six, seven, even eight yards per carry on an annual basis, are we really in a position to nitpick over what Bill Biedenboe is doing and how he's managing his room? Well, uh, you know, it seems like I would probably have rather uh, some more Ben Powers, Drew Samias, and Orlando Browns than another Bray Walker. And I know that sounds really mean, but I'm sorry, Bray Walker never saw the field here, and he's he was a five-star. So you, you give me the guys that Bill Biedenboe picks, uh, but, you know, this this uh, listener, he's he's been on the fire, or not fire Biedenboe, but the uh, um, will Biedenboe ever stop sucking at recruiting text, the uh, Biedenboe sucks at recruiting and can't close. Um, like it's, he, he's been on this, uh, tip for a while. So, uh, I don't think this is a person that we are going to convince. Um, but I do feel that this person is in the minority when it comes to Bill Beaton takes, And that's perfectly fine because different opinions make the world go around, man. Uh, here's a, here's a great text from the 417. What's more impressive, a coach that excels with three and four stars or one that has four and five stars. Development and fitting the culture are so important. Some people are just idiots. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. It, some people just, you know, Oklahoma football's got a certain standard, and they expect five stars across the board at every position. Uh, should be top recruiting at running back, at offensive line, at wide receiver. Just should have the top recruits across the line. But, again, development. He's putting people in the first round. What more do you want? If you have a bunch of first-round picks, that's probably a good thing for your football team. And Creed Humphrey was drafted in the second round, as I recall. I want to say Ben Powers was a fourth-round guy, perhaps. Regardless, he's had a whole bunch of guys that have heard their name called on draft day in years past. And moreover, even amongst the guys that haven't heard their name called, i.e. Adrian Ely, Marquise Hayes, Tyrese Robinson – They've been, at worst, serviceable, and at best, dominant in Oklahoma uniforms. And again, you go back to production, especially in the run game. And I don't know if there's a better example of what Bill Biedenboe has cultivated in terms of top-to-bottom excellence in his room than what Oklahoma did in the Cheez-It Bowl against Florida State with a patchwork offensive line that was composed of Second and third stringers. They had both Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk, true freshmen, by the way, each rush for 100 yards. And certainly that's a credit to Barnes and Sawchuk, but it's also a credit to guys like Savion Bird and guys like Tyler Guyton that hadn't played a whole lot in 2022 to date, but that when they stepped in, they not only held their own, but opened big holes against a Florida front four that was not shabby in 2022, Travis. No, absolutely. No, that was wildly impressive. And, you know, with, with the, you know, the, the draft success, everything like that, the, the running success, like of all the nitpicking of this program we're going to do, keep in mind, he had Benny Wiley building the bodies of his offensive linemen. (laughs) <laughs> like you, like you can't put that on Bill Biedenboe. Yeah, that relationship te- was strained. He could teach him all the technique in the world. If if his guys can't lift three hundred pounds, he's, they're not going to push around a lot of people. I mean, come on now. All right, that's all for Steel Man and Thune at noon on this Monday. Travis, thanks for hopping in. We'll talk again tomorrow, my man. Sounds good. Locked in.
comes your way next. It is myself and Tyler McComas talking all things OU football recruiting, where we'll no doubt continue this conversation and talk about OU's top quarterback recruit, top quarterback priority in the class of 2024. Locked in is next. It's the Ref Sports Radio Network.